You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Jose Young's here with terrible hair to start off the show. Uh, Sid Pizza Carroll is, of course, not here. He's on vacation in Amsterdam, so I'll let you fill in the blanks. Uh, <laughs> uh, but with us, uh, I teased a little bit uh, last week. We teased it on Twitter all week. We asked him after his... Big win, Brian Kelleher, one of the original members of Crystal Crew. Brian, uh, you're back in the win column, uh, $50,000 richer from what everyone saw uh, from Dana White giving you a post-fight bonus. So how's life since Saturday? Ooh. Man, life is great. Um, I'm feeling amazing, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, it couldn't have gone any smoother this week. So uh, I'm happy to be home uh, with a victory and uh, just feeling on, on cloud nine right now. Well, I, for those of you who don't remember or haven't watched Coffee Talk, uh, Brian actually came to the official weigh-ins to get his crystal. And from what I told him, he got pyrite. And there's a funny story about this. Uh, I gave you pyrite, and it was actually tiger's eye which I had mistaken. So the crystal we gave you is Tiger's Eye. And what Jessica had given us a description of what Tiger's Eye and Pyrite does is Tiger's Eye will bring you good fortune and will lead you to greater riches, monetary riches. You there, Jose? Yeah. Are you still here? Oh, well, it seems like Brian fell off. We will try and call him back. Hello, Brian. You still there? So I'm here now. Something froze up completely there. It's all good, my man. It's, no one's complaining. <laughs> now, now it's smooth. Yeah. Now, I, now I can hear you crystal clear. There you go. Ooh, I like I that. But I hope it's not me. My Wi-Fi looks good. Nah, I think it's just. I think we're golden. Yeah, no one said anything in the comment section, but we're still live. Uh, but <laughs> what was the last thing you heard? No, I, I just responded to your question about winning my fight, and then that was it. All right. Well, here's a funny story about that. Um, when you, so for those of you who don't know or didn't watch Coffee Talk or anything, Brian came to the official weigh-ins to get his crystal, which we told him was pyrite, which I told him was pyrite. After some research, it's actually Tiger's Eye is the crystal. Tiger's Eye. There so, it is. So when then Jessica, who's Pizzi has declared the queen of the crystal crew, gave us a breakdown of what these crystals do. And that crystal's description is brings good luck. Uh, uh, basically, luck flows out of you and leads to good monetary fortune. So wow. I don't want to <laughs> say I don't want to say you're it was all the crystal, but it was clearly all the crystal. How much do I owe you? Is what it, what, what I need pretty, to uh, pretty ask. much, pretty much. So for, yeah, for the, so before we get into the questions, I do want to ask: walk us through the process of going from official weigh-ins to now all of a sudden fighting on the pay-per-view card of a Conor McGregor main card. Well, yeah, all week I had great energy, man, and uh, I think uh, you know I, I I got the crystal and I felt it just kind of pour out of me sure. and i was uh i was calm cool collected like i felt honestly it was, it was amazing like because with all the pressure that was on my shoulders leading up to this fight like i didn't feel any of it you know and and i was like happy about that because that can break you you know that mm -hmm. could that could slow you down but for me i felt like it was my debut i felt excited to fight i felt no added pressure and no jitters like that and i just went in there and uh i came out unscathed i got the bonus i couldn't have went any better man well that 
Per, we were going to save this question for last, uh, but for those of you who don't, who are tuning this into the first time, maybe you're just a big fan of Brian and you've never watched the show, uh, you can go into MMAfighting.com and you can drop any question you want about any topic. It's usually about MMA, but we talk, we've talked about some weird stuff on this show. Uh, <laughs> But the top question, uh, so with that, with what you just said, you can, you can, of course, go on to the comment section, leave your question, or you can go on hashtag the A-side on Twitter, and we'll get to them. But from longtime commenter Lodovic, Brian's fight in future. First, Brian, congrats on the great performance and exciting finish this week. What really caught my attention, though, was your post-fight interview where you said you had your back against the wall after two losses and that you know nothing about fighting. Sounds pretty intense. I wonder whether this situation had an impact on your training camp. How it felt walking into the cage with this in mind and what we can expect from you next. Thank you. So, yes, uh, from what you just said, no pressure this week. Uh, your post-fight uh, interview, I guess, struck a chord with some some fans. Uh, so what's next for Brian Boom Kelleher going forward, both in training camp and inside the octagon? Yeah, no, thank you, Lodovic. Um, you know, I, I, uh, you know, it was crazy too because I was gonna go to Colorado and train with uh, Mark Montoya over oh, there, wow. and I made like a last-second decision to stay home because I kind of figured out everything and put the pieces together. I was uh, at Long Island MMA with Lafleur, who was in my corner, and um, you know, Tenth uh, Planet Jiu-Jitsu with Steve Castin. Um, we got Rick Schaefer over at No Limits Kickboxing was helping me out. Just a lot of different gyms I was in, you know, was really getting me prepared for this fight in all different areas. But, yeah, man, Lodovic, thank you for, uh, you know, the congratulations. I appreciate it. Um, what's next for me is hopefully Brooklyn, man, April 18th. You know, that's that's right in my backyard. So, And you called out uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley in your post-fight scrum. How long have you been sitting on that call out? Yeah, I've been sitting on that call out for a while, man. But like, it's one of those things where like, I don't really have in my position right now. I'm just so happy I got. I'm probably gonna get a new contract, mm -hmm. a new deal. You know, I imagine with winning a bonus and performance, you know, of the night like that. But uh, Sean O'Malley has a fight book, so I kind of felt like a little hesitant. You know, you you don't want to waste a call out. But if he gets a quick win, he might be able to turn around in April. So we'll see. Well, there's looking at the schedule just off the top of my head. There's, uh, I think Nathaniel Wood fights Dotson coming up at Rio Rancho. That's in your division. Sean O'Malley, like you said. Uh, does does Cheeto Vera have a fight? I can't remember. By there's a lot of bantamweight fights. Yeah, coming he's up. fighting uh, Jimmy Rivera, Cheeto. Oh wow, yeah. So there's a yeah. lot. The bantamweight division isn't hurting for fights uh, no. moving forward. But it's Brooklyn or bust for you. Does it really matter who you fight though? No, nah, it doesn't matter, man. But yeah, that's that's the vision right now. You know, uh, you know, right now I don't have much say. I, you know, it's not like I'm going to get a top fifteen guy unless I get really lucky with sure. something. But I don't expect that right now. It's just wh whoever. All right. Well, moving on. Another question from Lodovic. He says, "One more for me, uh, unrelated to Brian." Well, Connor's win is was very dominant. I wonder which side of the fence you guys are on. Some of us were a bit skeptical about the opponent's choice, thinking Cowboy was picked for a great matchup, while others were talking about quote unquote the second coming. Was this just a good tune-up fight, or did this version of Connor fighting with a chip on his shoulder, pun intended, prove he deserved the next title shot? So, Brian, you got a better view than, obviously, me. Uh, you were backstage. You probably saw Connor maybe once or twice this week, whether it was out of weigh-ins or <laughs> wherever. What did you make of his performance? Uh, was Is this truly the second coming of Connor McGregor, or was this just a favorable matchup that the UFC booked opposite him and Cowboy Cerrone? Well, you know, you can't take away from the performance. It was definitely a good performance, you know, to finish Cowboy that quick. You know, not not everybody does that. So, you know, nothing to take away from that. But uh, obviously the UFC is a business, and they want Conor to win. They want to set sure. him up for big fights. 
and they gave him a, a, a good matchup to do so. You know, uh, Connor's a fast starter. Cowboys, not so much. That's one thing that I knew uh, going in. And uh, it was actually interesting because I was in um, Cowboys' locker room and watching him warm up. I like to read energies. So I was like, I just don't see a guy that wants to fight right now. You know, Cowboys right. talked about this, you know, in the locker room. He, he Sometimes he's on. Sometimes he's like, why am I – what am I doing? And I saw a guy that kind of looked like he didn't want to be there for some reason. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I felt. Uh, and it, and he lost quick. So Connor uh, got the job done. I'm sure they're trying to set him up either Masvidal – or, uh, you know, if, if Khabib Tony falls through, I know we don't want to mention that, sure. but uh, if that happens, he'll slide right in. Well, I'm on record saying Khabib Tony will never happen because I'm a big believer in a reverse psychology. So it will never happen. Uh, someone will get hurt. So I don't wish anyone to get hurt. Someone will get hurt. There'll be a bad weight cut or whatever. That fight will never happen. I'm putting that out there. Um, if you're Connor's camp, who do you want him to fight next? You know, um, Kavanaugh said something about Gaethje for some reason. I don't know if maybe because uh, they can meet Gaethje at like a, a catch weight or something mm -hmm. and not cut weight but fight a 55er again. Sure. Um, I mean, they, they could do whatever they want at this point. But uh, I don't think Gaethje's a smart fight, to be honest. No. Um, but who knows, man, because I don't think Masvidal's a good fight either. Yeah, it's tough. I think Masvidal might be not be the best matchup. Or, but I think it's the most exciting for the fans and will draw the most money outside of a Nate trilogy. But Nate coming off a loss and Connor coming off a win probably doesn't make sense that you would fight Nate over the guy who just beat Nate. But that Nate trilogy is always yeah. going to be there no matter what. I think Pete and I are both on record saying if Connor had lost to Cowboy, the Nate fight made the most sense because they both could be coming off a loss. If I'm the UFC, I'm booking the Masvidal fight ASAP. That's the most money you can make. Habib historically doesn't like to fight in the summer because of Ramadan, so that's you have to wait even longer for that yeah. rematch. Connor wants to stay active. I think Jorge Connor is the way to go. Maybe International Fight Week. Yeah, you definitely don't want to lose that fight. You know, timing plays a big role in this. And right now, that fight is probably the biggest fight you can make. And you know, it, obviously, Jorge wants that fight. Everyone wants the Conor McGregor fight, but uh, Conor McGregor said something about Nate Diaz even after know. this fight. You know, so we don't know. Well, Connor's manager also said it could be Jose Aldo too, which I'm oh, like, yeah. that Connor's not fighting a 170 and then fighting someone that just lost a 130 in your division 135. That's crazy. That's absolute chaos. Uh, what did you think of his shoulder strikes in the octagon? I thought that was real creative, man. That was something that, like, when I saw that, I was talking to my corner guys, and I was like, you can't really do that in the gym, you know? Like, you, sure. you don't want to do that to your training partner, bust up his nose, you know? It's kind of a dirty move, but it was a really smart move, and it was effective, you know? It threw Cowboy off, and I I don't know if that's what, what broke his nose or, or whatnot, but that was, a, that was an interesting technique he used there. Yeah, uh, our own Stephen Morocco interviewed a couple fighters like uh, and coaches like Greg Jackson, Randy Couture, and everyone. They said they've been using that for a long time. Uh, I know, I remember Ricky Simone used it against Ronnie Yaya in when they yeah. fought in Australia. But it was like he stopped all of a sudden and just like bulldozed through it. He didn't like clinch up and use it. So uh, seen it before. I think I've seen Benson Henderson use it once or twice, but not on this scale, and it never did that much damage. Um, yeah, Nate Diaz was like, I've been doing this, you know? I think he's done it before, too. Probably. So. I'm sure every <laughs> fighter has done it, at least. I'm sure there's been, like, fights in the schoolyard where people have done it just yeah. to get someone off of them. But uh, it worked. Shattered, shattered Cowboys' nose. What did you think of uh, – this isn't a question, but uh, Cowboys fought 
in November 2018, he fought Mike Perry at welterweight. And then he fought Alexander Hernandez in January. And then he fought Ally Quinta sometime in the spring, five rounds. And then got finished by Tony in June, finished by Gaethje in the fall, and now gets finished by Cowboy, uh, by Conor McGregor in January. So that's two welterweight fights. Book That bookends a lot of cuts to lightweight with three TKO finishes in the last six, seven months. Are you basically reigning Cowboy in at this point, saying no more fights is the end of 2020? Man, Cowboy, you can't tell Cowboy what to do. That's for sure, That's man. Problem. He's a reckless guy. He, yeah, he's he's living life on the edge. But uh, Cowboy's one of those guys that he he probably knows himself. Like he's sure. never gonna get cut from the UFC, no yeah. matter how many times he loses. So sometimes that could be de- demotivating. I feel like you know he he's getting the money fights now, but he seems like his demeanor's different. You know, three losses like that is bad. But he'll just keep fighting and keep making money because I don't think, you know, he's ever going to have to worry about losing his job or anything like that. Um, You know, I I don't know if he he wants to maybe go back to 55 or stay at 70. It it really is up to him. But uh, maybe he he needs to take a little bit of a break, you know, taking that damage in the last three three fights. Yeah, I think the damage is the the more concerning thing, uh, losing that many times. that He broke it like his eye blew up against Tony Ferguson. Like he broke his nose and the orbital bone. And then he gets finished by Justin Gaethje in four minutes. And then he's finished by Conor McGregor in, four, in 40 seconds. And before that, he fought Ali Quinta for 25 minutes after cutting down the lightweight. Uh, so yeah. uh, maybe pump the brakes. I'm on record saying I like the rematching against Anthony Pettis at lightweight or welterweight. They both fight. They both fought at both weight classes. That that fight was supposedly supposed to happen on your on that card before Cowboy got bumped up to fight Connor. But I like that fight, but I'll watch either man fight anybody. Uh, moving down, uh, the big squish wants to add, you can't really take anything away from Cerrone. Four consecutive top five opponents in less than a year. Some champs don't even do that, let alone one year. So, yeah, he's not wrong. Uh, I think he fought five or four or five times, like I said, in, in 12 months against top five opponents. Nothing to take away from Cowboy. But from Commenter LFMWA, Stipe versus DC, DC3. Big time crossroads, major implications at heavyweight. Heavyweight is hot, need times for a change, but what will this fight sprout? DC wins, retires and vacates the belt. Winner of Nganu, Biggie Boy versus Stipe. Stipe wins, back to back to back fights with DC, probably fights Nganu, Biggie Boy. But what about John Jones? What about Fabricio Verdum coming back? So I don't know how much you would pay attention to heavyweight, but it's all of a sudden real interesting, even though we got a rubber match between DC and Stipe. I can't imagine Daniel Cormier fights much longer after that third fight, if at all. Uh, so I'll ask you, from as a fan, as we saw, you got that picture with Ariel at UFC, what was it, UFC 202? Uh, Nate- uh, yeah, yeah, Diaz McGregor too. Yeah, so you're clearly a fan of the sport. What do you make of the heavyweight division right now? Yeah, there's a lot of moving pieces, you know. I, I I wonder if DC wants to fight John Jones again, you know. I know mm. it's interesting to want to get that one back, but I feel like if he beats Stipe, he might just go out, you know, on top mm. right there. Like, why uh, risk it, you know? Mm. Um, everyone wants to see John Jones move up because he, he just runs through the division, but you can't blame him if he keeps defending his title, you know. That's legacy also. Um, Francis Ngannou is scary. I don't know who wants to deal with that, but... Uh, if uh, Stipe wins, I know Stipe has an eye injury, right? So he's trying to heal yeah. up from that. But, um, yeah, man, I don't know. Uh, it's interesting to see Stipe and DC get back after it. And, and who com- comes out on top, we'll kind of know 
after that, what's what's coming up next? Well, I think whoever whoever wins that fight, Stipe, and I assume Daniel Cormier, th- this is me assuming Daniel Cormier retires regardless of the outcome. Win or lose, that's a wrap. He said he was going to retire after his 40th birthday. That's already passed us. Uh, but Daniel Cormier <laughs> has also said that he doesn't have a problem waiting for Stipe because Stipe is the champ. If Daniel Cormier does retire, Stipe should obviously fight. He could either be the champion defending or he could be fighting for the vacant championship next. Whoever... So whatever happens, Stipe fights for the championship next. Uh, it will most likely be against the winner of Francis Ngannou and Jairzinho Rosenstreich, which that this this individual, uh, LFMWA, probably didn't want to try and spell, so he kept calling him Biggie Boy. But Jairzinho is a yeah. proud member of Team Crystal. Team Crystal. Yeah, he wears his crystals. Yeah. Uh, he knocked out Andre Arlovsky uh, sub-minute uh, on, on the New York City card, and then he ripped Alistair Overeem's face open. Uh, on the main event of watch of the Washington D.C. card on short notice after Walt Harris had to uh, pull out for unfortunate reasons, but uh, I don't know who wins that fight. But it's not going five rounds in Columbus. Uh, I think you and I can yeah. agree on that one. Yeah, you can bet on that for sure. Where's the prop bet at? <laughs> who do you think wins that fight? I think um, Francis wins it. I think he's a little faster. You know, he's he, he's a little bit bigger too, uh, stronger. It seems like, but you know, Rosenstruck has a, a a big background in what kickboxing, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, he trains. He still trains with Tyron Spong. Yeah, so he's definitely got that experience advantage. But I think Francis is just a little more dangerous. So I would lean towards Francis. Yeah, Casey Lydon, our cameraman, has been saying that he thinks Francis is the best heavyweight in the world. He has what we in the business call the touch of death, where it doesn't look like he t- he touches you at all, and all of a sudden you're on your back, uh, unconscious. Uh, but then we got Junior Dos Santos coming back. For Doom yeah. wants to fight Alexi Olenek. Uh, I don't know if you saw that call out. One of the uh, one of your fellow bonus winners at UFC 246. Uh, yeah. Overeem wants to get back in there. Uh, Andre Arlovsky's always floating around. Ben Rothwell's back. Uh, I believe he's he's fighting. Who's he fighting? Um, Gian Vellante's moving up to heavyweight, and then Eli Latifi's, oh, yeah. and then Eli Latifi's fighting Derek Lewis and uh, the Houston card. So a lot of light heavyweights moving up to heavyweight all of a sudden. Yeah, I wonder about that. Maybe the cutting weight is uh, fading off on us, you know. But but Francis is one of those guys that makes me happy to cut weight and not I be know. a heavyweight. I know, right? Have you ever thought of moving up to one forty five? I know I saw you uh, before the after the official weigh-ins. You said that weight cut was kind of rough. Yeah, you know, um, I, I've actually fought at 145 a bunch of times on the regional scene mm-hmm. before I, I I moved down. But uh, you know it. it it was rough because I was heavier than usual, like two weeks out. But actually, the actual process of, of cutting the weight went smoother than I, I imagined. I, I just I panic about the weight cut because usually I show up at 149, 148, and I'm like, okay, that this is good. This is where it goes smooth. Um, this time I was like 152, like uh, a week out, and I was like, ah, that three pounds at the end is what sucks. So I just hope it goes smooth. But uh, I think it ended up being the creatine that I was on for uh, for mm. camp. You know, held on onto a lot of water and once i stopped the creatine it started to drain out pretty quick now what did you think i i we spoke about it real briefly out after the official weigh-in uh your opponent oday osborne got on the scale and said i didn't even cut weight maybe a pound or two so when you're fight when you're going through that you know what you put your body through and all of a sudden you hear your fight your opponent is basically completely hydrated getting on the scale is that do you feel it's an advantage for you, like maybe I'll be bigger? Or are you thinking, wow, this guy is already healthy and hydrated for this fight? I think um, 
he definitely I had a strength advantage. Sure. I noticed that in the fight. You know, when I grabbed a hold of him, I took him down. I felt that. I don't know if it's true that he didn't cut any weight, but he definitely seemed like a guy that was more fresh on the scale. So I was like, all right, you know, um, as long as I feel good in there, I feel I've never felt someone like really have a big strength advantage over me, you know. So I was like, all right, you know, I'm gonna grab a hold of this guy and let's see how how he feels. And I remember in the fight when I grabbed a hold of him, it was like. Uh, like I was like, all right, like, like this, this is a big strength advantage here. I'm going to be able to hold this guy down, you know, and that's what it was. Someone in the comment section had a question for you, Brian, about fighters uh, stepping on the scale. Why do fighters who badly miss weight like Alexa Grasso this week still strip down to get on the scale knowing there's no hope? Uh, that's a good question, man. I think that's them trying to tell us, like, hey, I tried my best, sure. and uh, I'm as low as I possibly could have got, and maybe they think, like, some shot of luck, you know, maybe if she had a crystal in her damn pocket, she would have, you know, something crazy would have happened, but... <laughs> what do you make of the Las Vegas ruling where I think it's three pound allowance, like, if it's in, if you're three pounds away from the thing, they they, they check you out to see if you can fight and then they ask your opponent like do you want to accept the fight but alexa was five and a half over and that immediately scrapped the fight like there was no like even cloudy was like i'll take the fight but las vegas was like nope five and a half pounds over now i i was curious about that right because uh me and my dad were talking about that we saw that is it is it within three pounds of your opponent's weight or within three pounds of the contract weight that's a see that's what i was we were talking backstage too i don't know the exact ruling i'm sure someone watching this will let me know but if was it would that mean if Claudia had a sense like if you're weighing in, you have a sense your opponent is struggling, do you wait for them to weigh yeah. in first so then you can basically just stop cutting weight maybe like if 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 you see your opponent struggling, you see they're oh they're twenty they're they're one forty pounds, and then you can yeah. just you could see, oh look, they're five pounds over, maybe I just miss maybe I talk to the commission be like, can I come in at one thirty seven or something like that? I don't know the exact ruling, but would that if you sensed your opponent was struggling to weigh in, knowing that was going to be the case, would you wait to watch them weigh in first? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Everyone wants to fight. You know, I saw Claudia after. She was devastated, you know, and, and Grasso, you know, maybe if she would have communicated with the UFC a little earlier and said, hey, I'm off by this much. I'm having trouble. And maybe, you know, the UFC speaks to Claudia and Claudia says, okay, that's fine. I'll stop cutting weight and I'll weigh in within three pounds of, of her weight. I don't know if that's the rule, but if it was, that's what I would do. Sure. And, uh, because if she if that fight did happen, she'd get some of her bonus. I mean, some of her money anyway. So more probably get you get more money. You get your you get your check. You get like twenty percent and thirty percent of your opponent's check. And if you win a bonus like Brian, that's fifty thousand dollars more, and you get your win bonus. So uh, bummer for Claudia. But Dana White said he actually wanted to Claudia to pump the brakes a little bit because she cuts a lot of weight to make 115 pounds. I didn't want to make her uh, do it again. Uh, someone in the co in the YouTube comment section said, uh, Ode looks super quick. Good idea to grab him, Brian. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, I, it was funny, man, because like, I did that Jorge thing in the beginning of the sure. fight, right? And I was, sure, like, sure. I was plotting, I was plotting a, a flying kick or knee, just like Jorge did to Askren. And then like last second, I'm like, Nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play it smart here because Ode looks like he's plotting something too. So I just kind of came out. He hit me with that Superman, and that was it, man. 
Uh, he was fast. He looked super fast. <laughs> that's why. So a lot of people in the comment section are saying, yeah, that guy looks real fast, real hydrated. Uh, didn't look like the weight cut affected him at all or lack of weight cut. So get your hands on him and quote unquote, big brother him into the fence. <laughs> yeah. I, once I got a hold of him, I knew like for sure that, uh, you know, this is where he's most uncomfortable. He likes to strike. I could see that. I could feel that. So uh, once I put him where he's uncomfortable, I felt a, you know, I felt a lot safer, and I felt like I can get a finish. Someone in the comment section, what is more impressive in your minds? Connor wins the lightweight title, getting redemption against Habib, or Connor beating Usman and winning a third world title in a third weight class? Probably beating Usman is more impressive because I that, that's a scary fight right there stylistically too. I don't know, man. That's to me, it's winning the third belt. Usman is, Usman is taller than Woodley. Usman was bigger than Colby. Just looking at them aesthetically, um, well, I'm saying height wise because Woodley's obviously a very thick guy. He's one of the smaller uh, welterweights. He just doesn't he doesn't cut a whole lot. Uh, so, well, he actually cuts a lot, but he's he's just not the tallest guy, so he looks bigger. But yeah, beating Usman would by far be the more impressive <laughs> third <Yeah>. three <laughs> titles of three weight classes, and then but. I think that's the outside of Gaethje. I think Usman's the worst possible matchup for uh, Conor McGregor. Yeah, I don't. I don't see the UFC feeding uh, McGregor to Usman, man. That's dangerous. Uh, someone says, "Any crystals you recommend?" Well, after Brian's performance, I would recommend Tiger's Eye. This one right here, baby. That one right there. And no other one. From commenter, the big squish dream scenario: you own and operate the UFC. What changes do you make? Spe- specific things, not just pay the fighters more. That's a given. Personally, I would introduce once every five years UFC Grand Prix open weight, probably somewhere in Asia. So, Brian, dream scenario: you are now the owner of the UFC, and what you say goes. As he rubs his hands together, what are some changes you make? Well, I, uh, you know. That's the thing, man. I, if if you're the owner, you're in a complete different position. But as the owner now, who was once a fighter, sure, I'm definitely given at least 60, 40 percent. Sure. You know, 40 to the fighters, 60 for the business. Be a little generous. Um, and then, you know, I'm cutting out like no more weight cutting. Um, maybe maybe some pensions, maybe a union. You know, let's mm-hmm. start a union for this this uh, sport here. And uh, I'm being completely pro fighter because that's a a real sport attitude and that's how all the rest of the sports work so on the uf what as a ufc fighter you we hear or as someone who covers the ufc and other promotions uh casey and esther were in tokyo for bellator tokyo and the ryzen new year's eve card and all of the bellator fighters were saying wow fighting in asia is so much different than fighting in the united states and fighting for Ryzen was so much different. Like you, they used the word respect. The fans weren't booing them for grappling. The fans weren't booing them for pushing up against the fence. So when you hear that, are you? Do you ever think like, wow, fighting in Asia? I really want to do that again. Um, not really. I kind of like the U.S. fans. You know, I like sure. I like the rowdiness. I like the loudness. I feel like it brings excitement to the sport. Um, I respect both angles, though. I think it's cool that that it's like that over in Asia. You know, it's different. Uh, true respect for martial arts and really, uh, you know, uh, fans of every aspect of the sport like that. Now, here in America, they don't hold any punches. You no. know, they're they're saying some crazy stuff out there. Uh, but I, like I said, it brings a lot of excitement, and I feel like I could feed off of that in the fight. 
now Chris Weinman when he would he fought all these he fought like Anderson twice and then he fought Machida and then he fought Vitor like he fought all these Brazilians like back to back to back to back and by the time he fought Vitor he was like how come American fans don't travel like Brazilian fans like he fights these guys in Las Vegas and half the crowd is from Brazil and they're chanting they're holding up the flags you you when you fight outside the United States are you wondering the same thing like how come U.S. fans don't travel to these places to watch me fight. Yeah, it's one of those weird things, man, where, like, in other countries like that, the whole nation kind of gets yeah. behind their guy. But uh, hence Conor McGregor, you know? Like, sure. if, if Conor wasn't Irish, like, I don't know he would be, you know, where he is exactly. It's sure. it's kind of – it's a weird thing. America's just so mixed, and they kind of um, latch on to, you know, specific guys that they like, but they don't – say oh he's an american fighter like i love that you know sure. we're gonna follow this guy just because of that uh how often how you we've you mentioned union we've seen a lot of talk of unions like the like there was that weird scenario where like george st pierre tj dillashaw cowboy like kane they were tim kane they were all up on the stage we've seen randy couture uh try to bring the ali act we saw i think it was the professional fighters union i think what it was called how closely do you follow those when those things get mentioned uh i don't really follow along too much you know i I, for me it's like i just want to hear the good news you know what i mean if something something happens please tell me and uh, i'll be ecstatic you know i'll be i'll be you know grateful for that but i do look at other sports and the Mm -hmm. numbers that they bring in and even like a hockey player for example that sits on the bench that hardly plays the lowest salary is like i don't know 600,000 per year mm-hmm. and like it's just like it brings this envy you know where i'm like i picked the wrong sport <laughs> didn't i like sure. what am i doing here but uh i just hope that changes in this sport you know but i'm sure i'll be out of it before it does which sure. sucks but uh hey for for the future guys coming up you know i hope things change Alina Marrero in the YouTube comment section has a question for Brian. Would you be ready for a big main event like Kelleher versus Moraes on short notice? How soon do you think you could like turn into the octagon? I'm one of those guys that could fight short notice. I'll be honest. I don't really take breaks out of the gym too much. I don't get I don't usually get too heavy. Um I don't like how it feels, to be honest, sure. being out of the gym. It's just how I am. It's my lifestyle. Uh, I, I eat pretty healthy you know, all year round, and um, I could do five rounds. I haven't done it. I've had five-round fights where I finished it quick in the first round, so I don't know what it's like. Mm-hmm. But uh, I believe my cardio is definitely one of my advantages, so I could, I could definitely do it. Uh, so if they called you, say, today, and there was happened to be a, a Bantamweight fight Saturday, could you, and they were like, Brian, you have four days to fight in the main event. Would you be able to do that? Oh, geez. I mean, if I could make the weight, I think I'm only like 153 now, so it's not too bad. Uh, but it, it would definitely, yeah, it'd be rough. It, it would be rough, but it depends on this. You know what I mean? If they're sure, bringing sure. that monetary action, if they're giving me the big pay raise, I'm going to do everything I can to make it happen. Someone in the someone in the comment section, just a bunch of numbers, goes, what is the ideal number of fights you, you like in a year? I like three or four. You know, you can never say, like, how you're going to feel after a fight. This one, I was blessed to come out, like, unscathed, no injuries, nothing. I'll, I'll be back in the gym probably tomorrow, you know. Uh, so three or four is ideal. I don't want to crunch too many in a year, but mm-hmm. I also don't want to have only, like, two fights in a year i think three or four is perfect 
so all right going back to the uh, uh comment section uh question about your division specifically for you thanks to that cringe guy at bantamweight <laughs> the bantamweight division is messy could you provide a roadmap of what you expect in the division for 2020 or at least what would you like to see so uh i don't know if you saw but the abandonweight title fight between henry cejudo and jose aldo of all people is supposedly being targeted for ufc sao paulo uh in may or i i think it's in may uh so a i'll start with this did you score that fight between marlon Moraes and jose aldo how did you score it i scored it for aldo i thought he squeaked out a decision there just forward pressure uh i thought he landed just a little bit more frequently um I don't know what's going on, man. It's weird because Dana White will say one day he'll be like, oh, this is the fight that makes sense, you know? But then the next day he's booking Aldo and Cejudo. It's yeah, like, yeah. what do you mean? What what makes sense, you know? Nothing makes sense anymore. So I don't know why uh, they're doing that fight. I think Cejudo's being stubborn himself. He, he has the power now. He's trying to get the bigger fights, you know, the, the bigger name guys. Um, Aljo obviously had the injury. He's recovering from his wrist, I think it was. And then you got Peter Yan, who's mm-hmm. tearing through the division. Scary guy. Um, I think they're going to you know, go the Aldo route mm-hmm. and then probably try to book Aljo and Yan for a number one contender fight and see like who's the true guy. Yeah, I mean, I I also scored for Aldo, but I didn't think it was a robbery. As our own Alex Kaylee says, not all close fights are robberies. Sometimes nah. it's just that razor thin. I think those are the definition of 10-9 rounds in there. Uh, but yeah. Dana White, immediately a- immediately after the fight, Henry Cejudo tweeted, like, I thought Aldo won. I want to fight Aldo. Dana White said he likes the Aldo. This is in the post-fight press conference after the fight. So as someone in the bantamweight division, are you just like, what are we doing here, guys? Like, Aldo's now lost. Like, people forget. He also lost to um, Volkanovski, the champion at, at featherweight right now. He lost to him in a three-round fight. And he lost to Marlon Reyes in a two-round fight, a three-round fight. So that's back-to-back losses. And now he's supposedly fighting Henry Cejudo in his home, in his home country. It's craziness, man. Sometimes you just wonder, like, what what's what's behind this decision making you know like why is why is it not more of a legitimized sport mm-hmm. where the guys that have worked so hard to get to that number one contender spot actually get their shot it's one of those things where like it's so hard to get a title fight in this sport like now what are you gonna do you gotta make money aljo peter Jan, like they gotta make money they mm-hmm. gotta stay active you know so they're gonna take the risk they're gonna fight each other or fight someone else just so they can make a paycheck and stay active and and stay you know stay uh, keeping their momentum or whatever. And now if you lose a fight, you're never getting a title fight. Like you know what I mean? Now you're now you reset and you got to go back to square one and work your way back up. It's like one of those things where what are you gonna do? You can't sit out. No, I'll just wait. I'll wait like five, six, seven months. See if I get my shot. No, like you got to fight. So I think that's uh, um, you know unfortunate that that happens to guys like that. You know that really. Mm-hmm you know, deserve their shot. But uh, we'll see what happens, man. Like I said, I think the UFC looks for who has the most hype behind their name, who, who's the, the bigger money fight, and that's what makes sense to them more than anything else. And then you have uh, Frank Edgar, Corey Sandhagen, supposedly still going to go down. Uh, Dominic Cruz, t- always teasing a return at any point. So there's a yeah, lot. Yeah, I thought they were going to go that route, the Dominic Cruz route. But when is he coming back? And then you, know, you have uh, Cody Garbrandt is fighting on the Columbus card too. So you got a lot of yeah. former champions all of a sudden coming back all around the same time. Uh, yeah. You really have to wonder, even if Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling win that number one contender fight, 
Yeah. Would they even, like, would Peter Yan have to beat, or Aljamain Sterling, would they have to beat each other and then all of a sudden have to fight Dominic Cruz next for a, a number one contender spot? So it's like, who knows? We saw, we see uh, Yoel Romero is fighting Israel Adesanya next. He's lost, uh, I think, two, he's lost two in a row. I think three yeah. or four, but I think Yoel Romero is maybe a little different because people still kind of look at him as the boogeyman of that division. Like, if he gets a title shot, who's really complaining? Same as Holly Holm, like, she gets all these title shots. But, like, no one is overly complaining that you... Are you, like, I'm still going to watch Romero and Israel Adesanya. I don't know about you. Oh, that fight is thrilling. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's, like, a similar situation to an extent. You know, coming off a loss and this and that. But, uh, yeah, that guy's, like you said, the boogeyman. Like, scary guy to Mm -hmm. fight. Um, And, you know, props to Israel for wanting that fight in the first place. Yeah, I don't know if you saw, but me and Casey were in New York... And before before the the Masvidal Diaz fight, and I asked Masvidal like, "What do you think about this fight?" And he got real serious all of a sudden, and was like, "Israel Adesanya came up to me in a club and was like, I have to fight your friend for my legacy.'" And it like shook, it like shook Jorge Masvidal. He's like, "Damn, this is a scary dude right now. Like, no one wants yeah. to fight Romero." So like, yeah, props to Izzy for that fight. But then again, the Paulo Costa fight with Romero, like I feel like that put Paulo Costa like on that same playing field almost, yeah. you know? I think he's hurt, so he's out for a little bit. Dana White says, like, yes, he could return, but to pump the brakes and get a hundred he's like eighty percent healthy. He got cleared, but it's like he just got cleared. Like get yeah. back in shape. And then we were supposed to have Jared Cannonier, who is the founder of the team Crystal Movement. He was supposed to fight Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker pulled out for personal reasons. We still don't know what that is. And supposedly Darren Till is going to take that fight. But then we hear Darren Till might have an ankle injury. Uh, Jack Hermanson still floating out there, but he just lost to Jared Cannonier. Anderson Silva could come back at any point. Chris Wyman could drop down. Kelvin Gaslam's always out there. So uh, we were talking about Bantamweight having a lot of questions. The middleweight division has a lot of questions, too. Yeah, I think Robert Whitaker, something with his kid, needs uh, some kind of, what is it, kidney Bone, transplant maybe? I, 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 was, I was seeing bone marrow transplant, yeah. or whatever, but I don't know if it's 100. I don't, there's not been no like official word. That's so, this, It's a lot of hearsay, but nothing specifically from Whitaker yet. Yeah, because Dana White said it was something real unselfish of him to do, so hopefully everything's all right on that end. Uh, Nicholas Thompson in the comment section on YouTube said, what would be your game plans if you fought Aldo or Cejudo? That's tough, man. The both of those guys are real fast, real sharp, uh, hard to take down too. I mean, you're dealing with an Olympic level wrestler in Cejudo, so it's like, do you even shoot in or like create? You know, I think I think you try to tire him out a little bit and just try to pressure him and uh, overpower him a little bit. You know, maybe I have a little bit of a size advantage, a power mm-hmm. advantage. But the fight with with Mariah's was impressive because mm-hmm. he dealt with a, a guy who has so much explosive power got through that and then finished him with essentially breaking him, you know, and showed it, uh, displayed his cardio and his durability in that fight. So it's tough to say right now, I'd have to take like weeks to come up with like a specific plan, but, uh, I'm not really a big game planner anyways. Sure. I just go in there and say, let's get this shit done. You know, MMA orator on the YouTube comments has BJ Penn successfully removed himself from the goat discussions. If not, how far of decline, would dictate a step down from MMA royalty. So we've had this conversation a few times over who is the greatest lightweight of all time. I think yeah. by default, it was BJ Penn for the, the, the vast majority of the last decade. Uh, he had the most consecutive title defenses, at, I think three, which just shows you how deep the lightweight division has been for so long. Um, 
and he he would go up and down weight classes. He fought George. He was like the original. He'd he'd fight anybody anytime. Uh, maybe a detriment to his record. Uh, but at some point, he was deemed the 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 default greatest lightweight ever. Uh, most people that have been on the show seem to agree the winner of Habib Tony in April will determine the greatest lightweight who ever lived. So uh, I'll ask you first: Is BJ Penn still one of the goats in your eyes? And if not, who is the greatest lightweight? Well, that's always a controversial subject, you know. I think back when BJ was in his prime and he was doing his thing, you know, you could consider him that for sure. Uh, it's unfortunate to see his downfalls play out the way they have, because uh, I was a big BJ fan coming out. Like I, I, he was one of my favorite walkouts ever, you know, with sure. the Hawaiian music yeah, yeah. and just the way he would, you know, he got the blood on him and he would lick it like after the fight. Like he was a legend for all that stuff, but. Uh, Nowadays, you know, I feel like the game is constantly evolving, so it's always harder and harder to to do big things in the sport as time goes on. So with that said, I would give Khabib the edge, you know, right now, unless Tony beats him. The things Khabib has done and the way he just dominates guys, especially knowing, oh, we know what he's going to do to mm-hmm. us, but he's still going to do it to us. Like, that's that's amazing stuff. Yeah, and I think you hit it on the head of like the the sports always evolving. Like at the end of uh, the deck, we did like the greatest fighters of for the, the twenty five greatest fighters of the last twenty five years on MMA fighting. We did a top five, and there was like a debate whether Anderson Silva would be in the top five. And based yeah. on like I'm like, what a weird like four years ago that he would be one or two, and now but now yeah. you have guys like GSP, George. I mean GSP, John, DC, Ronda. You got to include in there. Aldo, and then all of a sudden we're finding like Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz are like near like 10, 11, 12. It's very, it's weird to think about. Like we think of Randy Couture, and I think of him as being for a long time the greatest light heavyweight who ever lived. He would fight any, like, yeah. if not the best fighter on the planet. And now all of a sudden he's not in the top 10. It's a weird thing to think about. I think it's more or less like uh, you should word it differently. Like who's the best ever in their era, you know, in their time. Yeah, I think uh, Richard Sherman said the same thing when they were trying to do the greatest NFL player, the 100 greatest NFL players. Like Aaron Rodgers didn't make the greatest one, the 100 greatest <laughs> NFL players. And people were like, well, what are we talking about here? Like Giant United's played in the 60s. You can't really compare him to 2019. Yeah. Complete different. Someone said a lot of people are just saying Habib's the best. You are a lot. The whole comment section is just Habib time. Habib won one fifty five. Go. Someone goes Ken Shamrock, greatest fighter of all time. Well, <laughs> someone says who would you like to? Interesting question. I hadn't pondered. Uh, who would you like to see Yair fight next? Uh, I'm, I personally think he should fight Zabit next, and Korean Zombie should get Volkanovski. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with that. I think uh, Korean Zombie deserves his shot with Volkanovski. I think stylistically, that's a great matchup. We don't really know what's going on in Max's head right now, so uh, we're kind of waiting to hear back about that. But yeah, Yair Rodriguez, his style, really flashy guy. Um, Zabit versus Yair is a crazy fireworks fight right there, so I would love to see that. Yeah, I've said a few times, I think Max should take the Ronda Rousey approach, not in the sense that he just disappears, but when Ronda lost to Holly, she took like that whole year off, and then she fought Amanda next, because she just had the belt. So I think Max should take some time off, and then whoever has the belt, Max fights when he returns. It could be Volkanovski, it could be Korean Zombie, it could be Yair Zabit, but he fought a lot of five-round fights in the span of 12 months, so take some time off, don't rush back. And then fight whoever. But then Volkanovski had like surgery on his wrist or thumb or something, so he's going to be out for a minute too. But I like yeah. I like the zombie fight. 
No, I like that. I think with Max too, like with the weight cuts, the brutal weight cuts, but he he hasn't taken a crazy amount of damage or anything right. except for like the Poirier fight was pretty bad, but uh, his weight cuts are brutal. So yeah, time off might be a good thing. Yeah, I think the weight cut is it's clearly not an easy one. You saw he had to pull out of that Brian Ortega fight and then to go from yeah. like 145 to 155 to 145, 145, like in a, not in, in a short amount of speed. He fought in July and then he fought in December. Two weight cuts down to 145. Doesn't always look the best, but... Uh, they all cupcakes. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> true story. True story. <laughs> all right, going through the comment section more. Uh, we've talked a lot about Connor, uh, but Jorge Masvidal is Connor Masvidal really that huge of a fight to make as people think? In Jorge's interview at 246, he said he's just interested in fighting Connor for the money. That's it. Maybe it's just me, but that interview wasn't enough to inspire me and i'm not all that excited for this potential fight so that's from matt the donk who's one of our longest commenters did so we talked about this a little bit in the media tent did jorge do enough to sell you on conor mcgregor versus jorge masvidal i don't even think you have to do anything that's what i said right now you know like you don't have to do much conor fights just sell themselves pretty much and you know it would be interesting to see if maybe the old conor comes back with his intensity i wonder how long this whole like respectful quiet conor is gonna last uh it was it was refreshing to see it but i just wonder like how long can he keep his cool for you know like i think he was just doing that to kind of gain back his his uh the people who maybe lost it for him but um jorge versus connor is just such a huge fight i i think it's just so amazing how jorge's career has just completely 360 mm -hmm. and how fast it did it's amazing to see that you know because he's always been an exciting guy but now all of a sudden one of the biggest superstars in the sport it's crazy to see how fast that could happen yeah that's a fight that i don't care if it's in front of 20,000 people or it's in the gym or they're fighting on the beach. I just like that fight as a martial arts competition. Like that's two high level strikers with an exciting array of strikes that don't take steps backwards. I just like that fight as a fight. I don't care if it's for a belt or not. Like I said the same yeah. thing about uh, Ortega Holloway. I said the same thing about Yair uh, zombie. I seem to say that a lot about a lot of 145 to 170 pound fights. Uh, and, and for Connor, probably winning the BMF belt is bigger than any other belt. It's surprising to say, but I feel like that's true. And we, Pete and I interviewed Jorge. I don't know if you saw, but Jorge launched his own mezcal uh, over the yeah. weekend. And we said, like, what would it take? Like Connor, like he said, someone would have to put up something for the BMF belt. What would Connor yes. want to put up? And Pete propositions. What if you did 10% in your mezcal? There's 10% in a proper 12. Oh, and, yeah, you're making and, out big time. <laughs> and Jorge just stops and he's like, you can see him thinking. He goes, <laughs> well, Connor's proper 12 is supposedly worth a billion dollars. So obviously I'm going to do that. I was going to – I didn't get a chance to ask Connor a question, but I think that would be a hilarious fight. But I think what you said about the, uh, the respect angle, like how long are we going to see this, I think that's one of the – people aren't talking about this enough – you and I are both in agreement that the Gaethje fight is not a great matchup for Connor stylistically. I don't think Gaethje is going to play the... Le Cowboy was very complimentary of Connor this week. Yeah. Justin Gaethje is not going to be complimentary of Connor at all. Like, I don't know if you've seen his tweets. Yeah. Just completely rinses him every single chance he gets. I think that's a big reason why Connor's not going to fight Justin Gaethje next. 
Yeah, and they probably want to keep this this shtick going for a little bit, you know, give him some time to gather himself up. And then, you know, what's going to happen if he ever fights Khabib again? That's going to be a mess again, you know? I feel like he's going to go right back to, to his ways. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I kind of don't want to see that fight immediately. I don't want to have to go through one of those. Plus, Khabib doesn't really like fighting in Las Vegas after what the, the Las Vegas commission, like, supposedly was going to ban his, like, teammates and they fined him yeah. and all this and that. I can't imagine Connor fighting anywhere else outside of Las Vegas for the, for the foreseeable future. And I cannot imagine after the Dolly incident that the Connor's going to fight in New York anytime soon. Uh, so, yeah, that Raider Stadium, right? That, that might be an opportunity. Supposedly, he wants to box Manny Pacquiao in that. Yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what, do, what do you think about all this Zufa boxing uh, stuff we keep hearing Dana White talking about? I don't know. Now he's bringing Floyd into it, kind of. I feel like that might have something to do with, you know, his start to it all. But I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going on there, man. I, I don't like that whole crossover stuff, especially after we saw Floyd and Connor do it already. It's like, all right, we got it out of the way. Let's, you know, stick to your sport and, and keep things moving along here. Well, Masvidal is also trying to call out Canelo for a long time. And Canelo's like, I'll do it for the right money. But Con- It's all like, money, you know? Yeah, Canelo has like a $500 million deal with DAZN. Like, I don't think he's hurting for money. Uh, from a commenter in the in the YouTube, I cannot pronounce this. Uh, do you think intentional eye pokes are as bad as taking steroids? DC Stipe needed glasses. D- after fighting DC, Stipe needs glasses now. And Bisping lost an eye. So, eye pokes your thoughts (laughs) that's a good question actually because you're actually affecting someone in the fight whereas you know steroids can do the same thing as far as you know the training goes the recovery goes that's going to affect you know you in the fight or your opponent in the fight potentially Mm -hmm. the eye pokes might even be worse because you're taking away someone's vision you know what i mean now they can't even see you so how are they going to beat you in the first place steroids i'm afraid of someone taking steroids because i've heard you know taking a lot of testosterone sometimes affects your cardio in a negative way so uh i've never really worried about someone being on that kind of stuff i think epo is probably the worst thing to face you know because now you got a terminator in front of you that probably won't ever fade away but uh yeah eye pokes are unfortunate you know uh it's always been one of those things where it's like please don't happen (laughs) to me in this fight because uh you know that's some serious stuff eyes are sensitive so what do you think of that oblique kick that Jackson Wink team uses a lot? Like, I know Rampage is on record, said many times he thinks it should be illegal because now he his his knee is messed up for the rest of his life after fighting John Jones. Well, here's the thing about that. It's a technique, right? Like, shoulder strikes to the nose, break someone's nose. You know, teeb kick to the knee, break someone's knee. I mean, uh, head kick to the face, break someone's orbital. Like, it's all part of the game, I feel like. So you can't really take away an opportunity for someone to cause damage. What do you think about soccer kicks? Oh, jeez. I was a <laughs> soccer player my whole life, so maybe that would benefit me. I don't know. I played soccer since I was, like, five years old. So, uh those are wild, man, and I don't know about whether, you know, if someone's head's against the cage, I feel like that's a little something. That seems to but, be the big argument against it. If you get pinned and yeah. all of a sudden you get kicked and your head doesn't have anywhere to go. Yeah, you can't avoid, you know, you can't dodge it or anything like mm-hmm. that. That's the only one thing I see from that. Otherwise, like, you're 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 in a fight, you know what I mean? Like, the a lot of bad things can happen in a fight. So how could you say, like, you know, no, you can't do this to cause damage in a fight? What do you think about head stomps like in Pride? Everyone sees those 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 uh, photos and video highlights of like Shogun like jumping up and just like head stomping his opponent. Well, 
Well, here's the thing about that, right? An up kick is a head stomp in the opposite direction, essentially. So sure. it's like you can you can move, you know, if your head's on the on the mat, you can you can you know dodge it somehow, slipping it if you see it coming. So I I don't mind that either, really. Chuck Liddell once told me uh, I did like a video a video of techniques fighters want back, and Chuck wants uh, knees to grounded opponents, like like you can like knee him in the head or something like that. So yeah. like if he gets like side control, he can just like knee you in the head a bunch of times. He said that's the one technique he wished he saw back in the UFC. Yeah, I mean the thing about these techniques too is like you got to imagine if you're going for a knee to someone's head, it's a big opportunity for them to get up. You know, you're not you're probably not controlling them in a positional way. So if you're going for that kind of technique to cause damage, it leaves a door open for someone to escape and get up. All right, going through the let's go hop over to Twitter. You can always use hashtag the A side if you have questions for us. Not a lot on most of the comments are about uh, Connor, of course. I poke. I poke is should I someone in Stephen S should one I poke be a disqualification or should you get warned once and it happens again you're disqualified. No, I don't think it should be a disqualification right away because who's to say what's intentional or not? It's really hard to tell, you know, on one eye poke, you know, guys like to paw out their hands and kind of gauge distance and stuff like that. That's the one thing, man. These refs have such a harder job than people imagine, you know, like you're you're dealing with split second timing and someone, you know, gets eye poked and you're supposed to decide, oh, you really meant to do that, you know, like I know sure. for sure. So I find that a hard thing to judge. Um, I think, you know, they warn you in the back. They warned me in the back before the fight. That was good, you know. And they said, listen, if it happens the first time, like, this is your hard warning here. So you get a point taken. I think if it happens twice, I don't know. I mean, another point taken, you know. Sure. I mean, you're, mo you're probably not going to win the fight. But now, how much damage did you cause on this guy's eye? You know, that's the question. Have you ever worn a pair of pride gloves? Have I ever wanted? Or Have you ever worn a pair? The ones that, oh, like, worn? Yeah, no, that, that bend your hand in? Yeah, I like the idea of that though, you know, because you don't really need to like open your hand fully to like grab a hold of things sure. or grapple. But uh, yeah, I think that could help prevent a little bit of the eye poke for sure. I think Joe Ro Joe Rogan talks about that every single time yeah. he has. He's always talking about like fighting a football field, have like yeah. pride gloves, head like all that stuff. Uh, I don't get the football field things. You're like people will start running away and shit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> MMA at MMA Duration on Twitter. Who do you like seeing fight Dustin Poirier next? Huh. I think he's looking to run it back with Connor himself, who sure. isn't. Uh, that's one option there. Um, Poirier is in a situation where he's fought like everyone. You know, like he could probably run it back with many different people. But uh, it's a tough position right now. I'm not really quite sure who I would want him see to see fight next. There's a there's a lot of options. Well, he wants a 165-pound division. Uh, I yeah. like the idea. Like, this is just something I thought of in my head. Like, uh, if, like, Jorge – like, Casey Lydon thinks the BMF belt should just become the 165-pound belt. If yeah. Jorge and Connor fought and they just had a gentleman's agreement to cut to 165 and just do it to, in spite of the UFC saying don't do it, I kind of like that idea. I think it would be kind of funny that they, if the fighters took it upon themselves to just come <laughs> in at 165. Yeah, right. It just started it up without even saying anything. Just start cutting extra five pounds, like 165 champ, baby. Yeah, and then every, Wait, every why time they fought. can we have fought. a BMF belt in every division, right? What's, what? Amanda Nunes said the same thing. So do Ioani and Jacek. They, they want a female BMF belt. 
I should have I should have went nuts on the post fight interview and called for a BMF title fight for 135. Cause hey, I, I'm a veteran in the sport. Sure. I've had ups and downs and losses, wins, just like Jorge and Nate Diaz. You know. Well, you can use this opportunity. Like Jorge has said all week, like the re- the quote unquote the resurrection started with knocking out Darren Till. Yeah. Your resurrection starts with Brian uh, Brian Keller submitting O'Day Osborne. UFC 246 yeah. January. His season starts. Uh, someone goes, uh, what are your thoughts on using CBD for recovery? I use CBD pretty frequently. Um, it's hard to say whether it works or not, to be honest. Sure. Um, it's not something that you take and you're like, wow, I feel great now. But like with all the benefits that they say come along with it and it being a natural plant and this and that, I'm I'm like, hey, why not? You know, like let's take this and if it helps with CTE and and, sure. and brain stuff, I'm gonna take it, you know. It's definitely interesting to see where Nate Diaz was smoking that C B D pen up on the yeah. during that two oh two after losing to Connor and people yeah. were freaking out whether he was smoking weed up there and now all of a sudden the UFC has a partnership with the C B D company. It is a very uh interesting time for MMA to say the least. Oh, yeah, and then they introduced that oral thing, right? Like, yeah, when does yeah, that yeah. come in play? I think they were running some tests. I spoke with someone at the PI. They wanted it was. They said it would take a year to see, like, results of something. But that yeah. was in July, so I'm not, I haven't followed up at, at all. Uh, someone says, Dustin Poirier versus the winner of Kevin Lee, Charles Oliveira. Yeah, that's a good fight right there. Kevin Lee was trying to fight Islam, right? And now well, he's fighting. Uh, well, from what, I've, from what Kevin Lee has said is he wants to fight Islam in Russia which is yeah. crazy. Uh, so he took the fight, but that the Russia card was already booked because Kevin Lee fought Gregor Gillespie, New York native, in Madison oh, Square man. Garden. And then he wanted to turn right around and fight Islam in Russia, but the fight was already filled up. So he said the deal was he fights Charles Oliveira in his backyard, beats him, yeah. and then he gets a turnaround fight against Islam in Russia. So Kevin Lee is a madman. I'll tell you what, respect to Kevin Lee because he's taking the opposite approach of every other fighter in this business. Like sure. He's saying... I want to fight the hardest fights with guys that don't have big names. You sure. know what I mean? It's crazy. In their backyards, no less. Like I, Islam, yeah. I know, is probably getting, struggling to get fights because I think he's the 15th ranked fighter, but one of the more dangerous ones. And Charles Oliveira has been dying for like a, not just a top 10 opponent, like a top 15 opponent, and he doesn't lose. So Kevin Lee is taking a lot of five-round fights, and he, he's now that he's with uh, Farah Sahabi, he's looking like a savage in there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what Kevin Lee said something interesting where uh, when he fought with when he beat Greg Gillespie, he said it was the first time he really had a head coach that had direction since the ro- loss of Robert Follis. Uh, he said his fight against Barbosa, he could still hear his coach in his head in there. So as I don't, I, I don't know your situations with your coaches or not, but has your coach ever not been there during a fight? Is that more difficult? Like, like one of your longtime coaches maybe not cornered you in a fight? No, I've never faced a situation like that. But I could say, like, my brother Mac, he's been in my corner for every fight. And, like, it's amazing how crystal clear I hear his sure. voice, you know. He's my brother and he's he's a fighter. He was a fighter. Uh, he's trained with me day in and day out for years and years. He knows everything about my style and what I look to go for in certain positions. So it's so important to have him in my corner, uh, you know, hearing his voice and guiding me through positions. Like he literally guided me like through that that pass sequence really? to the guillotine. Yeah, it's crazy, man. So uh, Edward Klein on the YouTube comments says people won't jump to guard if they get soccer kicked or head stomped. Yeah, I mean, they might second-guess it unless they're uh, high-level black belts that's submitting everyone on their back. I mean, Ryan Hall might still go down there. 
What do you think of Ryan Hall? Is he the most? Is he a terrifying fighter? Hundred percent, man. I, I think guys are like, I don't want to get my knee ripped apart, you sure. know. And and honestly, like, it's not even that. He's such a hard guy to fight because you're dealing with a guy that's flailing all over the place, willing to fall down at any moment and just roll around and kind of snatch up your leg. Like, it's hard to hurt him because when you go to hit him, he sometimes like falls on purpose sure. so that he can lure you into like a submission. It's it's wild. Yeah, Casey is probably the biggest ryan hall fan i've ever met i don't know but he has uh, on his computer his all of his hard drives are named like fedor like 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 he like and like anderson silver like like he has these legends is what he calls his hard drive he yeah. had to make a new one and he named it ryan hall like that's how big of a fa- he's on record saying ryan hall is the most intimidating fighter on the ufc roster well, someone was, I don't know if it was his manager or coach or I met, it might have been Kenny Florian or something, but someone was saying, like, nobody wants to fight this guy. Like, he's been he's been getting turned down left and right. And I, even if you don't, even if you don't get submitted, like, you saw the Gray Maynard fight, that was, like, Gray Maynard was pissed at the end of that fight because, like, he's like, I didn't even get in a fight. The dude just kept rolling around on his back a whole bunch of times. Yeah, it's probably one of the most frustrating fights as well, you know? Uh, not a lot. We didn't speak about UFC Raleigh once this whole this whole time. I mean, I thought people were going to be asking. Though. So, uh, what did you think of this card coming up? We got Blades JDS. Uh, we got Kiesa RDA on that card. I think Arnold Allen is is still on that card. I I, I think Josh Emmett got hurt, but it's not a bad card. No, it's a pretty decent card. I like the Blades uh, JDS fight because I think you know Blades pretty much runs through guys with his wrestling, and JDS is known as a guy that's hard to take down. So I really intrigued with that fight, you know, to see can Blades control him? Can he get him down and kind of hold him down and land that ground and pound, um, or is JDS going to catch him on the feet? You know, that, that's a really interesting fight. Arnold Allen, who, who's he fighting again on there? He was supposed to fight Josh Emmett, but I think, I think Josh Emmett Lentz. got hurt. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, Nick Lance, the guillotine, the other guillotine master sure, out sure. there. Uh, he's an old school guy, you know, and, and Arnold Allen's new school. I think he's undefeated. He hasn't yep. lost in like years, Ar- he, Arnold Allen. He just lost. He just beat uh, Gilbert Melendez in July. Yeah. Yeah, so it's one of those things. It seems like they're sticking to that trend, like the old school guy versus the new school guy. Uh, I like Arnold Allen a lot. Uh, he's got a funny personality, his mm-hmm. little thing with his dad and everything. It's, it's sure. funny, man. Uh, then we also have uh, Hannah Cyphers, Angela Hill, which is like low key my favorite fight on that card. Angela Hill is one of the <laughs> uh, former Invicta champ and one of the most fights in the UFC strawweight division. And then Hannah Cyphers is. We talk about Ryan Hall being like an oddball, like quirky guy. Like Hannah Cyphers is one of my favorite interviews of all time because she's just. Team personality, right? I know. She's <laughs> taking photos with fighters, but then gets. So nervous when the cameras turned on. Like I love interviewing her. Uh, that oh fight, God, that fight card was supposed to have um, Frank Edgar, Corey Sanhagen, but that got bumped because Frank Edgar took the featherweight fight. Also this weekend, though, Bellator, Bellator 238, uh, Chris Cyborg making her Bellator debut against Julia Budd. What do you think? What do you expect out of her? Yeah, I think I think Cyborg's gonna take it. You know, I think Julia Budd's a good fighter. She got a lot of experience, but Cyborg, I feel like, beats anybody outside the UFC, outside of Nunez, essentially right now. Uh, you know, I think uh, I've I've seen Julia Budd fight. I just don't think she packs that same kind of power Cyborg has. So I'm leaning Cyborg for sure. Also on that card, uh, in your weight class, Sergio Pettis making his Bellator debut. 
Yeah, Sergio's a savage, man. He's got really good technique. You know, I've seen him in videos before. He's real flashy, real unpredictable. Uh, I'm excited to see his his debut over at Bellator. I think he's going to do big things. He's probably going to put himself in title contention pretty fast over there. And I don't know how to pronounce his opponent's last name, but it's Alfred the Fearless. Uh, his <laughs> only He's the guy that Sean O'Malley knocked out on the Contender Series. Uh, he's only lost, uh, he's lost to Sean O'Malley, Ricardo Ramos, Juan Archuleta, and Mike Hansen. So not losing to bums as people. Yeah, not a, not bad losses, that's for sure. No, and that's it's actually his Bellator debut too. Uh, also on that card, we got Darren Caldwell, Adam Boris in that featherweight Grand Prix. When as someone in the UFC, when you see Bellator doing these Grand Prix, are you jealous at all? Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is so jealous of them. I mean, it would be cool to switch things up, you know, and get creative. I feel like the UFC gets creative in different ways, but, like, they're not willing to go outside the box in, in tournament style. Mm -hmm. uh, it would be fun for sure, you know. It would give opportunity for fighters to kind of build their, their uh, reputation and build their names and become something bigger than they are. Than they are. But, um, yeah, I, I just don't see it happening with Dana. I feel like he's a little stubborn towards that kind of stuff. Yeah, Stephen Thompson said the reason he wants it because you can't argue with the a tournament. Like, there's yeah, always this argument over like who's next in line, who's next in line. You can't argue if it's pre-built. Uh, yeah, it I, does itself, you know. Right, and uh, I like that. Darren Caldwell, form, former uh, bantamweight champion who lost to Horiguchi on that Madison Square Garden card, going up to featherweight. Uh, also on that card, Raymond Daniels returns. Ava Knight, we were talking about boxers making the transition over. Henry Corrales, Juan Archuleta, Aaron Pico returning on the prelim card. And then AJ Agazar fighting on the second fight of the night. And then Curtis Millinder, former UFC vet, jumping up to a catchweight fight at 180. So a lot of interesting fights on that card. Someone goes, uh, Brian, what would you say if someone made cauliflower ear friendly headphones? I would I would take them and use them, but mine's not that bad, man. I got like regular ears, pretty much. My right ear's a little bit worse. Uh, the only like earphones that don't work for me are like the iPhone, the original Could, iPhone. Because you can't get them in there. Yeah, and like if they're in, sometimes they start to slowly slide out. Sure. Like I don't want to deal with that during this kind of situation, you know. But I, was, I prefer it because these look kind of goofy. Sure, I was uh, <laughs> excuse me interviewing Roxy uh, at Media Day, and Roxy had made her MMA debut in 2003. Uh, Macy Barber was five. And Roxanne Montefiore does not have, like, I, you wouldn't, like, if, hey, you wouldn't know she was a fighter anyway because she's, like, the nicest human being in the world, has no cauliflower ear. I was going to ask her, I'm like, how have you been fighting for 2003 and have no cauliflower ear? She's too nice. There's no bad karma for her, you know? <laughs> sure. Anderson Silva doesn't really have it either. Is it true that if you mess it up draining it once, you're just screwed for life? I've never drained it, man. I've just held pride, you know, and just kept it going. Uh, and it, honestly, like, once it hardens up, it's really hard for it to erupt again. Like, you'd have to get punched really solid, like, right in the area for it to st start to bubble again. Or if you have that giant bubble, like, uh, what was his name? The guy that Kimbo punched in the air and his ear erupted. Uh, Thompson, I think. It's, I can't remember off the uh, top. Josh Thompson, maybe? No, nah, it wasn't know. Josh. I can't quite remember, but it was like when – it was – and then the very next fight is when Kimbo lost to uh, – Seth Petruzzelli and Elite XC and like the world shut down. Uh, yeah. so, someone says nose ring gang. Yes, proud, proud supporters of the nose ring game. Uh, Maurice Green wants to join, by the way. I interviewed him at Media Day and he said, I like that idea. And I said, put the stud in first so your nose doesn't get all infected. Yeah, I've been switching it up. I got the stud in now, but I think the loop is a little bit better look. I've never taken mine out. It stayed in there since I got it back. Uh, Nicholas Thompson 
You're uh, in the comment section. Uh, last question. You're known as the best rapper in the UFC. When are you cutting that Tyron Woodley diss track? <laughs> uh, I think me and Tyrone should go back and forth, man, with a little bit of a battle. You know, um, it's not really my style to throw disses out there. Sure. Plus, what am I gonna say to Tyrone Woodley? He's gonna bring up the fact that I'm nobody sure. and he's been a world champ and this and that. So it's kind of hard to do that. But uh, making, let's see who can make the better song, the better track. I'm down for that. What if a fighter like, because Leon Edwards called out Tyrone Woodley for like, he's like for his rap game. If someone oh, did that to you, would you try and make a diss track on an opponent? Psych him out. Yeah, that that's an option. That's that's a good uh, that's a good look right there. I think that I would definitely look to do that if he was really talking trash about the rap game, and maybe I would walk out to that song too. That's what I was gonna say. Like, would it? Would you ever try to walk out to one of your songs? Yeah, I got to do that for sure, man. I don't know why I haven't done that yet because, you know, I feel like the announcers would probably say like, hey, Kelleher's mm -hmm. a rapper. He's walking out to his own music now, and that would help, you know, build my rap game. I think it would – I would be interested in if the UFC cuts any of it because I don't know if – Darren Stewart fought uh, Deron Wynn in Boston, and he walked out to a song by this uh, English rapper called Bonkers, and it's, the song's called Habib Time. And the oh, intro yeah. to the song is like Habib saying like send location Brooklyn Las Vegas <laughs> Moscow whatever and he did that because Jerron Wynn is Habib's teammate and the UFC cut yeah. that out of the intro they didn't play it. That's weird. That Darren Stewart's like they just hate Englishmen. That was his only response. Yeah, it's but a it would have been fun. Like uh, last thing Ryan Chan joins says yeah boy this man's guillotine is sick made a man tap with his feet. We made him tap dance baby. <laughs> is that the first I time that's happened to you? Yeah, that was the first time. It was, it was bizarre, man, because I, I, I didn't realize that I trapped his arm with my legs. Sure. And the other arm was in there too, stuck. You know what I mean? So I felt like thump, thump on the mat. And I was like, what is that? You know, like what's sure. going on? The only, time, the only other time I'd seen that is when uh, Benavides tapped Tim Elliott in, in uh, Baltimore. But that's when he's had yeah. the, uh, the, the anaconda and he made uh, Tim Elliott's hands were stuck. But they were he was like he was like flat on his back. So he was like flailing around like a kid throwing a tantrum. Uh, but we are out of time. And of course, uh, promo time, Brian, the floor is yours, whatever you want to say. What could I say other than Team Crystal here? Pyrite. Oh, no, it's not Pyrite. Tiger's, it's Tiger's on. on. Yeah monetary uh you know benefits yeah. and i go in i i win the fight by finish i get the the guillotine the bonus uh i i fight out my contract which only puts me in a position mm -hmm. to make more monetary uh sure. income to to renegotiate so uh shout out to team crystal jose young's pt carroll much love i'm sure pt carroll is taking some time away from his lovely expedition through amsterdam to watch this uh it was an absolute absolute pleasure to have you on for my promo i'll just plug my co co-workers work uh, casey and esther are going to be in at the bellator card uh, i think we're going to have someone in raleigh i'm not 100 percent sure for fight night but that's a stat those are two awesome cards and then who yeah. knows where i'll end up after hopefully i'll hopefully i'll be at the brooklyn card and maybe we can do one of these in person or we or hey. even if you're not on the brooklyn card which i hope you are we can do one of these in person yeah, I'm down, man. Let's do it. Well, for Jose, that's Brian on this side. I would say shout out your Instagram and stuff, but it's in the lower third below you already. So uh, <laughs> you can follow Brian, and his Instagram is below. I think it's Brian Boom 135 right? 
Correct. And yeah. then Jose Young's right there. Uh, stick around on this YouTube page. You can watch all of our fun things. We actually had a really long 20-minute interview with Joseph Benavides talking about the Oscars, of all things. So you can watch that <laughs> later on. Uh, but we'll see you next week. Maybe Pizza Carroll's back. I'm sure Brian will be back. He's back in the win column. Hopefully he gets that fat new UFC contract. But for Jose, that's Brian. We're out.